for joining. Welcome to the podcast, Well Well, with your host, Kelly Steckler. This podcast exists to help you on your healing journey so that you can live your most authentic and fulfilling life. Well Well features a mix of guests as well as personal stories and insights from yours truly as I discover my path towards healing. Thanks for joining as we dive into the healing experience. Let's get healing. Today I have Jerry Adams with me. She's a really special guest. I'm so excited to have her on. She is a lawyer and entrepreneur. Um, and when she isn't practicing law, she's actually a founder and CEO of Equery. Equery is an early stage startup that provides professionally trained virtual personal assistants called Equeries to its members. The goal of Equery is to give its members more time to focus on the things that matter, being present, being at peace, and being purposeful. So today I'm really um, so excited again to invite her on to speak more about Equery's position and belief that outsourcing is a form of self-care. So Jerry, thank you so much for coming on. It's so great to have you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Well, before we get into the equity side, tell me a little bit more about Jerry and where you were at before equity. Wow. Okay. So I am a Chicago suburb girl. I grew up in the, in the northern suburbs and um, I have progressively been making my way northwest. I went to law school at the University of Wisconsin and then I eventually ended up in Minnesota, which is where I live now with my fiance and my two dogs. We um, love it here. I practice law here and we've been um, really making roots and inroads here. Amazing. So when you were in law, like, tell me a little bit about where you were at in that time. How is it going? How is it balancing law life with your fiance? I'm sure during COVID times is also equally as challenging. So take us a little bit behind the curtain there um, about what life is like. Yeah. So I'm going to actually start back a little bit. So I've always wanted to be a lawyer. Um, I've wanted to be a lawyer basically since I was six years old and there's really nothing else that I really wanted to do. But I think that when you decide to do something so early in life, you may not necessarily understand what the true demands are on that profession. And it's not until you're actually in the process and in the profession, do you really kind of get a real sense of what's actually going to be required of you to be successful in that field. And so for me, I've been in law, I've been uh, practicing for going on about six years now, and I have had an amazing career, I will say. I, I've, I've been able to work with some really great people. I work in employment law, and I help people with harassment, discrimination, and retaliation, which are things that are so important. So I get a lot of meaningfulness out of my career, but I think one of the challenges is, is that it's, it's demanding right? Being a lawyer, you know, there's a lot going on and I have a lot of demands on my time. And so for me, you know, all through law school, you know, you're busting your butt studying and then you take the bar and then it never kind of really slows down for you. I mean, life is, you know, I, I guess for better, or for worse, you know, we're really busy and I carry a pretty heavy caseload uh, at my firm and those demands can create, um, 
some challenges when you're trying to balance other things in your life, right? You know, we've heard it all before. You have to sleep. You have to get rest for eight hours. You have to exercise. You have to eat well. You have to maintain your mental and spiritual wellness. But, you know, and, you know, there's always times when something has to go by the wayside just because there's only so many hours in the day. And so for me, you know, that's been something I've kind of really struggled with. And it's kind of how I kind of got to equi, or at least got the idea about how to make equi. So probably about four years ago, I was on a vacation with my fiance, who's my boyfriend at the time, and I was so stressed out during the vacation because I had all this other stuff going on at work and in other areas of my life that I said it would just be so amazing if I could offload some of this work to someone else to help me be able to balance and find some sort of way to manage my time a little bit better. And that kind of sparked the seed for Acre. And I've been working on it slowly but surely. And then, you know, it kind of came to a head when I, my fiance and I, we got engaged. And at the time, I was planning a destination wedding um, that was supposed to take place in April of this year, of course. We've had to postpone with COVID, but I, I was I was trying to plan a wedding that was long distance, and I had a very heavy caseload on top of all of those basic things that we knew from, that we know about taking care of ourselves. And I said, something has to give here because... I felt like while, you know, you're trying to maintain the balls in the air of, you know, doing what your requirements are and your obligations are professionally and taking care of yourself, there's really no other time for any sort of personal development or enrichment, right? We've seen just even this past summer what can happen when people are passionate and spurred on to take on a cause. And, you know, I didn't even have time to do things like volunteer at a women's shelter like I'd wanted to do. And I really kind of got this very perplexing feeling where I was asking myself, is this it? Is there all, is this all there is to life is billing time on my cases and trying to put together a seemingly healthy meal at the end of the day, you know, and there's right. so much more to life than just, you know, existing, you know, I, I would love to be able to, you know, invest additional time in these other things that make me a better person, make me a better citizen, make me a better relationship partner. And I just was felt like I was failing in that regard. I think your story and telling that is something so similar to what a lot of people feel that definitely resonates with me. I do feel like it's the the ultimate adulting move, right? Like you graduate, you maybe go back to school again, or you just get a job and then you're on the hamster wheel of life. And a lot of times we're not looking up or looking around. We're just going, going, going. And to your point about having all of these balls in the air, it's so often that one, if not more of them drop. Um, And it's usually the ones that we actually really desire or really want to maybe, you know, invest more time in. So before we get to the equity side, what were those balls? You know, it sounds like you were planning a wedding. You wanted to volunteer at a women's shelter. Um, when you were faced with that challenge of having to balance it all, did something give? Like, did you have to give some stuff up or, you know, how did you combat that? Yeah. And I mean, full disclosure, I mean, sometimes the balls do drop, 
right? And that's just the nature of, of things. You know, there are times when you're litigating when the cases become more demanding than maybe they are at other points in the in the life cycle of a case, right? And then it demands you, sometimes you do have to stay up really late working. And that's just a part of the job. You know, I love the job and I, I, I and I, and I'm very dedicated to my, to my clients, but you know, they're, there are consequences for that. You know, I feel like, you know, in college and in law school, you know, when you're younger and, you know, your body is much more adaptive, it's much easier to stay up and, you know, work crazy hours and whatnot. But, you know, the older you get, I'm in my early thirties, it's, it's more difficult to rebound from that. So I feel like I have, for me, I I struggle really when I get very busy on maintaining those basic wellness things, those things that we know we need to do, going to sleep at a reasonable hour, making myself actual nutritious food to sustain my body and exercise sometimes just goes right out of the window with those things because, you know, when you're waking up after writing a brief really late at night, you know, maybe you don't want to go to that 6am, you know, hit workout, you know, and, and you make these concessions with yourself. And then finally, you look around, and you're like, Oh, my goodness, I haven't, you know, taken care of myself. And now I'm wondering why I don't feel well, right? Yeah. Yeah, I I have absolutely been there. And it is always the 6am classes that go right out the window for an extra hour of sleep. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so you're in this position where you're met with this challenge, something has to give. But it also seems like, you know, when you came to this, this challenge, it sounds like you created equity because you know, you're not the only one dealing with this, right? Like this seems to be a really common issue for so many people. And so tell me a little bit about how Equery actually started and um, the desire behind starting Equery and, and where it's going. So this is a great question. So I feel like for me, there was a, there was a reckoning that had to happen and I had to, you know, come to a place where I was like, I'm not crazy. Like, I'm not the only person who's struggling with this. Like, this isn't just an issue of me not being able to manage my time well, me not being able to effectively dole out, you know, perfectly color-coded time blocks on my schedule. You know, I, I, I really had to come to a place where I said, you know, there has to be something more to this, right? It reminds me of my favorite quote from Brene Brown, where she says, crazy busy is a great armor. It's a great way for numbing. What a lot of us do is stay so busy and, and so out in front of our life that the truth of how we're feeling and what we really need can't catch up with us. And I, I think that there's just a universal feeling sometimes where being crazy busy can give us mixed signals, right? We feel like, you know, what, you know, there, it's, on one hand, there's this desire to show, look, I'm performing and showing you how productive I'm being. I'm knocking all these things off of my to-do list. I'm grinding really hard and I'm hustling and being a girl boss and all those other things. And those things in our and our culture have more or less have been rewarded and they have been highlighted as signs of somebody who's really successful. But then on the same 
token, I think there's a lot of people who are also struggling with just being crazy busy where it's like, you know, maybe this hamster wheel life isn't the most fulfilling life because exactly to my point where I said, I felt like I was missing out on those enriching experiences that really give life texture and nuance and make it worthwhile versus just, you know, marking off things off of a list that I wrote on an envelope. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I was make when I was creating Ecri, I, I, there was this period of exploration where I was trying to understand why did I feel this way? Why did so many other people feel this way? And I think grind culture and, you know, especially us women, we should ourselves to death. You know, we should be doing this. We should be at this point in my, our life right now. We should be doing this. And I think so many of those things are important and they are definitely influential in, in, in how we get to this place where we're just basically living life on, on, on autopilot versus really being thoughtful and intentional in our actions and our movements. Right. So when I was making Ecri, you know, I, I have a logical brain, right. I'm a lawyer, you know, I come, I have all kinds of tough problems that I have to solve on a daily basis. And what I do is I, I fall back on, on those skills that have served me so well in my life. I, I said, I need to research this. I need to get into this. I need to understand why this is happening. And I, and I found very interesting statistics. I found out that 80% of working adults, both with and without kids, wish that they had more time to spend with their families. And that just kicked me in the gut. Because for me, you know, while, you know, my mother, you know, she's so proud of me that I'm a lawyer and that I'm doing all these things and I'm getting married, I really hadn't spent any meaningful time with my mother. You know, I hadn't really spent any meaningful time with my family. And I felt like those sort of experiences were missing. And the reason why those experiences were missing, because we book our lives you know, and make it so full of things that we have to do that we may not be taking the time to step back and look for meaningful ways to connect with others. Right. I, I don't know if anyone else is like me, but you know, my weekend, so to speak, when I'm supposed to be quote unquote resting, those are hardly times when I'm resting. I'm, you know, taking care of, you know, chores, taking care of appointments and things that couldn't get done on during the week. And so when I was looking at equity, I, I just needed to get to that down to the bottom of where does this come from where people are making either a conscious or an unconscious choice to eschew these nurturing relationships and other interactions in favor of what I've come to just deem as busy work, right? The busy work yeah. of life. Yeah, you make such an interesting point about how being busy is really the gold standard, especially in American culture. Yeah. And it's interesting. I would love to get your opinion on this because you think about other cultures, for instance, you know, um, in Italy, for instance, right. where, you know, they they close in the middle of the day um, to, to rest and eat and then they'll get back to work. And, you know, a lot of European countries take the whole summer off to rest. In, in the American culture, it's very much based, it's almost like being busy is correlated with your measure of success. And if you're not busy, therefore you're not successful. And I would love to just get your opinion on 
why why do you think that is? Why are we so obsessed with the idea of being busy, even if it's not intentionally being busy? It's just loading and loading and loading our plate until there's like no room to breathe. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like with our culture, industriousness is a virtue, right? We look at it as, you know, somehow we have looked at it as, as a sign that somebody is, is you know, um, hardworking and someone who is, um, in, is, is willing to go that extra mile. We've sort of internalized that and basically have, have made it into something that speaks to our very worth, right? You know, and it's not just so much about what does it mean to be busy for ourselves. I think a lot of it is performance, right? We're performing for, so that other people think that we're busy, right? We, we use burnout as like a, a badge of honor, Right. You know, we're you know, I don't know if, if how you are with your friends, but when I'm texting with my friends, we're always talking about, oh, my gosh, I'm so busy. I'm so tired. And I think it's it's become a way for us to denote like, look at me. I'm hustling. I'm making my way. I'm making my I'm meeting my goals and I'm and I'm doing it so well that I've exhausted myself. But I think, you know, the question I think feel like we've lost in the conversation is who is benefiting from our exhaustion, right? Who is benefiting from these unconscious values that we've placed upon, you know, sitting at your desk when, you know, no one else is there just so that, you know, HR thinks that, you know, you're working really hard, right? You know, who is benefiting from that? You know, if you're not actually doing any work and you're just on Amazon, <laughs> but you're sitting at your desk because <laughs> your boss thinks that, you know, you're working till eight o'clock every night, you know, I don't think anyone benefits from that. Right. So yeah. and I think in our culture, you know, we have placed such a premium on, you know, uh, you know, grinding and trying to demonstrate to other people that we are making um, tangible efforts towards working towards our goals. Though I think we've really lost the art of stillness and lost the ability to really say, you know what, sometimes resting is productive. Resting within itself is a productive activity. Because constant motion and constant, you know, doing, there it, there comes a point where it plateaus and it's no longer something that will create this, uh, or at least this illusion of productivity. You know, you your body physically cannot keep up with that constantly. So let's talk about this a little bit more. What what does it look like to actually rest? Because I'm sure it's a lot more than taking a nap, even though I'm sure that could be part of it, of course. But, you know, when we think about avoiding burnout and avoiding the grind mentality, like how does that benefit us? Because I think, of course, intuitively, yes, resting and spending time elsewhere, we it could benefit. But I'm sure based off of the research that you've done, there's so much more behind it as well. Yeah. So... To answer your question, I think really rest begins with how we make space for that, right? It's not so much about what we're doing when we're resting. I think it's how we allow it to um, appear in our lives. So 
when I told you that I, you know, when I started Equity, I needed validation that I wasn't the only one that felt this way, right? And I put my little lawyer research hat hat on, and and I and I've and I've stumbled upon research from amazing uh, researchers at Harvard and the University of British Columbia and Yale who essentially validated what I had been feeling. And they introduced me to a concept that I have come to know as time poverty, right? And time poverty, there's many definitions of it. Um, the World Bank defines it as um, it's the fact that some individuals do not have enough time for rest and leisure after taking into account the time spent working, right? And rest and working can appear in our lives in many different ways, but the issue is, is that so many of us are not making space for rest, whether that is actual sleeping, whether that means just stillness and moments of not laboring, you know, making space for rest is, I think, the foundation for how you can rest. And I don't know that seems so um, obvious, but I think that that's preventing so many of us from being able to come to a point where we feel like we um, can, you know, meet the demands of the day because we've spent all day, whether you work in an office or if you live like in a, in a area where you have to walk miles for water, you know, we spend our days doing work and we don't necessarily leave space for ourselves to rejuvenate, be that mentally or physically. So for me, rest looks like, you know, making space to not be working, you know, and I think it can essentially be that simple of saying, how can I create an opportunity for myself where I'm not doing something that's on my to-do list, where I'm not doing something where I have to bill my time for it for my job? How can I make that an opportunity for me to do that? And so I think when we're looking and thinking about rest, we have to be honest with ourselves are we actually taking advantage of those opportunities? And if we're not making up opportunities for rest, how can we do that? What does that look like for you? So especially because we're in, you know, in the pandemic still, and a lot of us are still working from home. Some are going back to work, you know, wherever that may be. But I can imagine that this is especially challenging for people that are working at home because now you have your home, your family, your work, it's all within one place. And it really is hard to separate it all out to be able to have those clear lines so that you can take that time to rest. Yeah. And I think you bring up a very excellent point. I think, you know, for, you know, a lot of us, you know, there was at some point before COVID, a very clean, defined separation and compartmentalization between our professional lives, and our personal lives. And, you know, that commute time really served as a very defined buffer to say, now I'm going from my work person to my home person. And I think in the age of COVID, you know, those lines have become significantly blurred. My personal commute time has been reduced down to just the time it takes for me to walk down the stairs. And I will be honest with you, I think that that has led to the erosion between um, that work and life sort of um, 
divisions that have worked for me in the past. So with COVID, I think there's an additional intentionality that has to come when you're thinking about rest, where you can say, you know, because now you're in your house and you can say, oh, I can, you know, pull the first thing I can do when I wake up in the morning, I can open up my laptop and respond to 500 emails that are waiting for me. Or, you know, if it's not that, then it's like, oh, I forgot that I have wet clothes right now sitting in the washer that could take my attention and my time. So when you're thinking about rest, especially in 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 where we are and in history, I think it demands a very conscious intentionality that you are not only going to create space in your day for rest, but you're going to create space for rest that doesn't necessarily correspond to any of the professional or domestic labor that you would have been doing, you know, uh, before or after your commute, right? Because it's not the same. It's not the same. Rest is, is, is very different from, um, professional or domestic work. And we have to make those distinctions if we're going to allow ourselves to find rest during this time that we're living in right now. And what's interesting as well is that as a concept, it makes a ton of sense, right? I think anyone hearing this can be like, yes, of course, like I need to carve out more time for rest. But the habitual humans that we are we will go to bed, we will wake up, and we'll check our email the next morning again. Yep. So have you implemented any tactics or things that have helped you really create that line again? Is it blocking off time on your calendar? Is it doing one small thing a day to kind of inch you towards that goal of creating more rest in your life? So for me, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, the, the list and the productivity apps, those things, they are great. And they're wonderful tools that I think have a time and place. But, you know, when I when I think about, you know, rest and making space for rest, I think it requires a fundamental mindset shift. Right. Because I think it's where we're going to make any sort of transformational change away from grind culture, away from the girl boss armies. You know, if we're ever going to make space and allow ourselves to have the grace to say, I need time to rest, we have to change the way we think about time right? Time is a resource, just like any other resource. It's just like money, whatever. You know, you have, we all have 24 hours in a day and we have to make decisions about how we are valuing that time. And so for me, when I start thinking about my time, I start telling myself, you know, this hour can be used in this way. And, you know, maybe this hour is too expensive to just waste it on, you know, hitting next when Netflix asks me if I'm continuing to watch, right? You know, I I think it requires us to very consciously um, analyze and 
um, ask ourselves, what is it that, what kind of life is it we're, we're trying to create for ourselves, right? When we think about our values and what we value, you know, do we value the relationships around us? Do we value our communities, right? Do we value ourselves enough to want to invest the time to make us better and get us to the point where we want to be to meet our goals? And so for me, when you approach your day, you know, I think grounding things back to those underlying goals of saying, I have a finite amount of time in this day. You know, we always think we have all the time in the world and that's just not true. So if we, if we understand the value of the time we have and we are very clear on the goals that we have and, and the goals of, of what kind of life we want to, to lead, I think it makes us um, evaluate and assess much more stringently, you know, the, the demands on our times, right? The, the distractions and the unnecessary things and, and the things that maybe we don't want to do. I think that we become much more um, antagonistic towards things that are going to take up space in our lives that may not necessarily align with those goals. So getting very clear on what your values are and, and how you're going to spend your day to get you to the life that you want, I think that has been the most transformational thing for me personally to creating space for rest in my life. I love that. And I, that's something that I've also been focus, focusing on this year is being more intentional with my time and does it align to my values? And I do want to make a quick clarifying question or comment just because I think it's su super important to people listening is that you mentioned about is this time too expensive for me to click next on that Netflix and keep binge watching my show? Right. And I want to make sure that we talk about that a little bit more because when you say expensive, it doesn't necessarily mean money, right? Right. right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, and here, let me just say, I, I am a big Netflix watcher, okay? I'm not trying to pass any judgment whatsoever <laughs> on that. You know, I just binge The Crown and Queen's Gambit, and I love them. And so, you know, sometimes resting looks like that, and it can manifest in that way. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, I feel like when people think about time, they often don't think about it or try to draw parallels to it in terms of what we think of with money, right? You know, we make decisions to say, you know, do we want to buy this or do we want to buy that? You know, and sometimes some, the value that we're getting and making in a transaction is not um, worthwhile What of what we would need to spend to get that. And, and I think time can work the same sort of way. You know, if we're thinking about for me, it's important to me that I invest in my health. And for me, when I'm thinking about and when I'm laying in bed and it's 11 o'clock at night, is this additional hour that I'm going to spend scrolling on TikTok, is that too expensive for me when I think about you know, the time that I could be using instead to sleep to make sure I can wake up in the morning, I can start my day feeling rested, I can make I'll be um, have enough energy in order to exercise. That's kind of what I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about the value of the time that we have, you know, because we all have the same amount of hours. And we want to make sure we're spending those hours 
in a way that we feel like corresponds and aligns with our, our values. Absolutely. Yeah. And can you touch on things that make us time poor? So when we think about things that make us time poor outside of technology, TikTok, Netflix, Instagram, what are other things in our lives outside of technology that do rob us of our time? So we've talked extensively about this mindset. And I think just drilling down to that just a bit more, one of the things is, you know, it's essentially inherently, I feel like a lot of people have an underlying belief that time is money, right? We hear that all the time. And, you know, I'm someone that bills down to, you know, every six minutes, you know, time can be money. And, you know, I feel like in our culture, there's often this experience where we say, I know I should take a personal day. I know I should take a mental health day. But if I don't take this mental health day or if, or if I if I don't do this project, if I don't do this work, I'm going to miss out on, you know, getting this promotion or, or being in front of the people who I need to be in front of at my work to help me progress with my job. And so there is this valuation of money essentially over time that I think erodes our, our ability to be able to say, I need to push, put a pause on working so that I can make time and space for other things that matter to me. Right. And, you know, we see that, you know, so many times for me, I had intended to take the entire week of Thanksgiving off to rest because I was starting to feel burnt out. I, I was working and I know that there's a big end of the year push that has to happen where we're closing cases and getting things done. But I found myself working <laughs> the first day of my vacation because, you know, and I, and I and you have to check yourself and say, why do I feel compelled to work? And I think that there's, you know, it's totally understandable that in this environment, there's there's totally reasonable uh, economic security and, and, and job security concerns or people feel the need to have to just push through in order to keep their jobs. And I think that's very valid. But we also know by from research that that also exists even outside of pandemics, right? So that's definitely a, a con contributor with regard to how people become time poor. There's just an unchecked underlying belief that we have that we have to make money. And if we don't work all the time, we could possibly be expendable and we could potentially be replaced or we could potentially lose valuable career opportunities if we rest on our laurels and we allow ourselves to take a second to rest. The second reason that people can be time poor, and these are things that you know researchers have done an extensive um, deep dive into, it's 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 that unpaid labor that we have in our lives, right? So that looks like household chores, you know, caregiving, you know, tasks, those sort of activities that we have to do, right? Somebody has to cook. Somebody has to go to the grocery store. Somebody has to clean, clean the house. But those are things that are demands on our time. And that's also time where we're not being compensated. And so we can often feel like we're juggling these demands on our time and whether they're, they're paid or unpaid, they're still demands on our time, right? For us, when we're looking at 
the causes of time poverty, we have to be mindful that there are very real implications for different demographics in terms of how time poverty manifests. And I think for women, you know, I think for me, I was very interested in how this unpaid labor contributed to women becoming time poor. You know, women statistically, I I read a very interesting uh, statistic in my research that there is not a single country in this, in the world where men do as much unpaid household and caregiving tasks as women, not a single one. Yeah. And the United Nations has estimated that women do about 2.6 times more unpaid care and domestic work than men. So when you take this into account and you aggregate this over a, a, a longer period of time, women historically are missing out on large chunks of their time and their day that they could be allocating towards other activities, right? You could be allocating that time where you're caring for elderly parents, elderly, you know, for caring for children, you know, cooking, cleaning, those sort of things. That time that women are spending, that time could be allocated to other things. And so, you know, at the end of the day, this is work that has to be done. You know, obviously society requires that these things are done, but time poverty certainly manifests differently for different people. And the unpaid labor that often you know, takes up time in our day, that is a significant contributor to people being time poor. So one of the interesting research pieces that I read, it was done on um, uh, young women who were living in rural India. And, um, you know, there are people who have to go many miles to, um, to obtain water for their families and it requires them basically all day in order to get this done. And Ashley Willens talks about this in her book, um, Time Smart. And um, when researchers interview this young girl and said, you know, would you ever want to go to school or would you ever want to, you know, be able to study to have a, a career? And she said, you know, I would love to be able to, um, go to, go to school and I would love to be able to, you know, study for a career, but I have to do this domestic work right now. And I have to be able to, uh, provide this water for my family. And there's research out there that shows that time-saving tasks, it's not just, you know, something as simply as clicking on Instacart. It can be rethinking our infrastructure. How can we make water more accessible for people in rural communities so that they don't have to walk several hours in order for us, in order for them to obtain the water that they need, right? And so when we're thinking about, um, time-saving measures, we, we need to think about it from the top down as a society. How can we create a, a, a society where we are taking to account that the different demands that people have on their time and how can we how can we as a society demand change so that we can incorporate this idea that time poverty is something that's a serious issue and how can we create that into our policies right when we're looking at you know things like like road infrastructure and and water accessibility those things matter and are a part of the conversation as well too 
I just want to take a moment to let all of that sink in because it definitely resonates. And I think like what you said with women feeling, you know, a bulk um, of the weight more, especially in unpaid household chores, like that is a lot to take on, especially compounded over the course of your life. So what's the solution here? Like, how do we help combat this? The first thing that you need to do is to recognize that time poverty is actually an issue, right? You can't address an issue until you actually acknowledge that it's a problem. You know, and researchers at Harvard Business School, uh, they found that eight out of 10 Americans are time poor. According to the John Hopkins Health Review, a third of Americans feel that they have too many things to do in one day. The data is there. The data is clear that this is a problem. And it's a problem that we should care about because it has implications for our wellness, for our physical health and our economic future. And I think recognizing that this is something that, you know, we shouldn't sweep under the rug and address at a different time because we're too busy to deal with it. I think that that's the first step. But I think the second step to addressing this is recognizing the value that outsourcing can offer to all of us, right? And so in the research that I've I've studied, it's very clear that making time-saving purchases can help address some of the effects of time poverty, right? And so when I'm saying uh, outsourcing, I'm saying making a trade-off. So that can look like having your groceries delivered. That can look like, you know, hiring someone to clean for you. And I think that those sort of trade-offs that you can do for your time, those can help you address some of the issues that time poverty um, uh, often impacts. So with outsourcing, you know, there's many benefits to it. You know, the first benefit is that it ironically can make you even more productive, right? We think that soldiering through and just doing it ourselves, you know, that's always the solution. But, you know, I, I don't know how many of you have taken up DIY projects over the pandemic, but, you know, I think that at least for me, there's a harsh reality that, you know, maybe I don't have the skill set to do everything in my house, right? And so, you know, there's often people who have, uh, a much better skill set or expertise that would allow me to save time versus me trying to slog it out and trying to do something that may not be all that great or may not be great quality. You know, there's already businesses and people who um, do the work that you're trying to do, right? DIY isn't always necessarily the best route to go about things. There, there can be a more efficient way by deferring to the expertise of, of somebody else who does that for their profession. Another great um, benefit of outsourcing is that it supports your local communities. And I think that that's one of the great things that I hope to be able to bottle up from this pandemic is that, you know, there was such a um, a unified desire to support our local community and local business owners, right? We, you know, we were taking takeout from our neighborhood, our favorite neighborhood spots because we want them to survive this pandemic, right? And it's the same sort of thing when we're looking at outsourcing these time-saving um, tasks to local businesses. There are people in your local community who live around you who would benefit from you saying, 
saying, I'm going to prioritize my time necessarily over my money, and I'm going to support this this business in my community because I want my community to, to flourish, right? But, you know, more than anything, I think the biggest advantage of outsourcing is that the research is clear. When we make time-saving purchases, we can increase our life satisfaction. And this goes across socioeconomic uh, demographics. You know, I mean, people, I think one of the criticisms of, of, of outsourcing is that it seems like it, it ignores that the, the diversity within people's socioeconomic positions. And the, the data is clear is that everybody is time poor, regardless of, of how much you make. And the data is even more clear that everyone can benefit from time-saving purchases. And one of the greatest benefits of time-saving purchases is that we can increase our life satisfaction. When we are time poor, we are experiencing lower well-being, reduced happiness, increased anxiety, and insomnia. When we make space in our day to do things that help us and help our the people around us in our communities, we can increase our life satisfaction and give ourselves more meaning, right? So, um, and another thing is that when we're looking at time poverty and we're looking at outsourcing, we have to think about the benefits that other people around us could potentially have, right? And so when we have a situation where a family unit is constantly pressed for time, constantly feeling like they don't have time to spend time together, constantly feeling like they don't have time to um, engage in activities that will lead to them feeling closer and connected, you know, when we take time for time-saving purchases, we can improve our relationships with other people. So there's, it's more than just, you know, I think a solution that's limited just for people who can't afford it or a solution who's that's limited to people who they, they want, you know, to be able to have someone be able to help cut their grass, you know, once a month, right? It's, there's definitely a social element of this and Every, people around you can benefit from the effects of taking off some of that time pressure and allowing you to create space for social connection, allowing yourself to create time, the things that you may not be able to ordinarily do. I mean, there's so much, many examples I can think of, of, of people who have foregone pursuing educational and training opportunities because, you know, they were running back and forth between different jobs or different uh, appointments for their kids, right? And the same thing goes for our overall personal wellness. You know, I have I have number of friends who they want to go to therapy, they need to go to therapy, but their jobs just have too many demands on them. And there's not space for them to seek the mental health support that they probably probably need. And so when we assess, you know, is there an opportunity to outsource some of the demands in our time? And it can be something as simple as saying, you know what, I'm not going to take on, you know, this additional project at work, you know, I am going to ask my boss for additional support so that I can make time to make it to my child's, you know, soccer game, because those things are important too, right? Overall, outsourcing tasks that take up time and are mundane 
there's so many benefits that you can that can be derived from both a personal sense, but also as a community sense, right? Because, and you know, this kind of reminds me of, of a, of a quote that I, I love from Audre Lorde and it's caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation. And that is an act of political warfare. And this just speaks to me because it shows that, you know, when we take care of ourselves, sometimes we have to be radical in that approach. And we have to really rethink how we're, how we've done things in the past in order to create change for something better and something good. Right. And self-care ultimately becomes community care right? When we take care of ourselves, we have more bandwidth to be able to show up and be better community members, be better relational partners, be better friends. And that's what we want to be able to see. So outsourcing allows us to take those demands on our time and be able to offset them to our local businesses so that we can focus on the things that really matter to us. I feel like it's that saying too, that I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard my friends say, oh, I would love to do this, but I don't have time. I would love to take this class, but I don't have time. I would love to X, Y, you know, go to my favorite coffee shop and read a book, but I don't have time. It's it's never ending. And it's it's like if you don't have the time now, you'll never have the time because you have to make the time. There's always things that will take up your day if you let it. So it's such a great and powerful message. And I also feel like this is a perfect segue to bring in equity and really talk about, obviously, we see this challenge here and you've seen this challenge. You're not the only one experiencing this. So tell us a little bit about equity and you know what it stands for and what you hope to accomplish with it. Right. So Equery, um, our mission is we want to leverage the power of outsourcing to free our members from time poverty. Right. And we do this basically through um, our process. So what we are doing, we are building a process where people can identify those time vampires and those mundane tasks that um, don't add value to their life and don't bring them closer to leading their their lives in the way that they want to. And we outsource those tasks to local businesses in their communities, right? We want to look for opportunities to empower our local communities. So we are, have, are creating a preferred vendor partnership where we will identify local businesses within your community who do whatever it is that you're seeking to have done. And we are creating basically a symbiotic process where we are creating opportunities to both free up time and also um, economically support um, local businesses. That's so amazing. And can you share a little bit about where you see Equity going, how you're really hoping that this can help transform people's lives? Right. So, you know, I think I've talked a lot about time poverty and, and, and the very real um, issues that it presents. And, and I want to provide members a, a valid option 
to address time poverty, right? We want people to be able to take advantage of those opportunities to um, connect with the people around them and, 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 and seek out opportunities, sometimes just to even rest. And so we are going to be launching soon our, our, our service in Chicago, and we are going to be offering um, an opportunity for people to be able to submit tasks easily through our app where they can submit an, a, a, an order and they will be able to work with our equity to identify the right professional for their task and they can create more space so that they can focus on the things that matter to them most rather than just you know living life perpetually uh, chasing the end of their to-do list. It's amazing that you've seen this challenge in something that so many are struggling with and you decided to build a company to address it. So I am really, really excited that it's coming to Chicago because that's where I currently live. So I'm really hoping that I have the ability to experience it. So we will be on the lookout for that. I always like to ask before we wrap things up, is there any words of wisdom or any advice you would like to give to anybody listening? Wow. <laughs> Way to lay it on at the end. <laughs> um, I think for me, you know, right now, I think the big focus is on trying to develop stillness as a practice. And I think that the holidays just have a way of doing that, making you be more pensive and thoughtful about how you want to spend the next year. And I know that this year hasn't been the greatest for so many people. It's been very difficult, but there are lessons to be learned. And I think that, you know, if anything, it stripped us down to our core and made to sort of assess what are the things that we want to sort of keep and hold on to. And so for me, you know, developing stillness as a, as a, as a practice, I think that's something I want to carry on and try to find ways to leverage outsourcing to create those moments of stillness, whether that's you know, finding a way to say no to a project so I can take a daily walk with my dog and my fiance because I've that's something that has provided so much peace and grounding throughout this pandemic. I think that that's something that I'm striving for now as I am going forward. And I just would hope that people would use the opportunity um for stillness, to, to look for opportunities in their life where they can outsource and and really become a, a, a generator of economic opportunity for their local communities um, with their outsourcing activities. Well, Jerry, for such an open-ended and loaded question, that was such a great piece <laughs> of advice. So I really do appreciate it. Yeah. But, and, and where can we find you? Where can we support you? How can we learn more about Equery? How do we get in touch? Yeah, this is that's a great question. So one thing we're doing right now, Equery is currently raising capital on iFundWomen. iFundWomen is a crowdfunding platform that was specifically created for women entrepreneurs. There's so much to be said about the uh, gender gap in, in, in venture capital. And, and this is one way that you can support women entrepreneurs. And we have more information about that on our Instagram page. You can find us at Instagram at equery, E-Q-U-E-R-R-Y underscore co. We're also at equery co on Twitter. And you can also visit our website at www.equery.co. Amazing. Well, it was such a pleasure having you on. I feel like 
I even took away some really great nuggets on how to create more time and more space in my life um, and just live with a little bit more intention. So thank you for coming on, sharing your story, and also sharing more about equity. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As this is a fully self-funded podcast, any love and support you can show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts would be so greatly appreciated. To connect and stay in the loop, please follow along through Instagram on WellWellPodcast. Until next time.